Hi, my name is Emeka Morello and welcome to Growth is Personal. Each week, I share insights and strategies that will equip you to accelerate your personal and professional growth and bring you conversations that will empower you to thrive in life, career and business. Welcome to today's episode. Thank you to every one of you who come here every week to listen and learn. On today's episode, we have a special guest. Her name is Iqua Uko. Iqua Uko is a quintessential professional and multidimensional marketing advisor and expert, a distinguished fellow of Nigerian Institute of Marketing of Nigeria, and a highly respected veteran within the West African marketing communication space. She has served as the first vice president of Advertisers Association of Nigeria and other committees in the advertising and communication communication subsector like the Advertising Practitioners Council of Nigeria. Iko has extensive experience in business strategy, marketing strategy, and implementation. She's result-focused and has strong people leadership skills with several years of experience in marketing and general management in Nestle, Nigeria. Uko has developed many successful managers in the field of marketing in Nigeria. Uko is currently the CEO of Entered Marketing, a marketing consultancy company with rich experience and practical expertise in helping brands and businesses drive sustainable growth within the African context. Uko is also the founder of OneQFoodPlatter.com, a Nigerian food blog that has made notable impact in the Nigerian food space. She has served and still serves on the boards of several companies in Nigeria. Without further ado, let's get started. It's a honor to have you on the show today. I have been following you for, for quite a number of years now. I remember the first day I met you. Um, so I think that was in was it? Uh, I can't remember the the area now where Nestle offices uh, office was, but we got to yeah. we got to meet. I was writing my book then. I wanted you to have. Um, to make some comment and sh- share some insight about the book, and you did, you did um, um, I re- awesome. I remember that, that clearly. You I, remember. Remember. I think that was the 2014 or something like that. Something <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Um, it's been an honor to to have uh, met you and know you, and just you know taking the yeah, just answering the call to to be on this podcast today. So I really, really appreciate it. Um, I I will. I, there's so many things to talk about. Um, first and foremost, you know, I want to start with your career. Mm-hmm. I see, you know. When I look at your your profile, you know you've been you work in Nestle. Nestle is one of the um, um, the world's largest beverage food and beverage company, and you were there for thirty four years um, by by your LinkedIn mm-hmm. profile, thirty four and a half or so. And yes. you you before you left, you were an executive director on on the boards uh, from twenty ten yes. to twenty fifteen, and then you also yes. currently serve on several boards. Um, one of them being um, let let she go. Um, and yeah. that that one is a microfinance bank, a Botswana-based yeah. um, firm, and also Cyro yeah. Life Care Limited and uh, yeah. an Eco Innovation Center. You also see it on that yeah. on that board. Yeah. So I I yeah. wanted to I wanted you to talk a, a, about your career journey. Number one, tell us about why marketing, like why the the, the choice of 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 that 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 field, marketing, and also what what are what are the things that have you know, over the years in your career have made you who you are today? Um, why marketing? <laughs> let me, first of all, let me thank you for inviting me on your platform uh, to share my story. And I'm hoping that um, my story inspires one or two people out there. Basically, I'm a nutritionist dietitian. That's my background. Uh, so marketing was something that came somewhere along the line. 
Uh, but let me backtrack a bit uh, just to trace the story of um, how I ended up in marketing. Um, it was almost the end of uh, 1989, I, I, I think, and Nigeria was still grappling with the economic effects of the structural adjustment program, uh, which had started about 1986. And of course, for many FMCG businesses, sales was plummeting. Um, uptake of goods from shelves was very low. At this point also, naturally, consumers were simply not buying as much as they would have wanted to because, I mean, out-of-pocket uh, spend was low. And so a lot of companies went into consumer trade promotions back-to-back. Uh, -back. And with all of these, many of them did not see much um, sales uplift. And so the return on consumer promotion and trade promotion, you know, fell flat. Now, we were neither generating enough demand from consumer nor from the trade. So what that meant was that the bottom line of uh, many organizations were in the red, you know, but at best single digits. Now, as expected, you know, many CMOs, uh, chief marketing officers, were at their wit's end. Now, remember that um, at this time, there was no Google or YouTube for right. them to search for ideas. Hmm. So my then uh, marketing manager, you know, resorted to requesting um, every staff in the marketing division, whether you were a brand custodian or not, to send in thoughts and suggestions as to how to navigate um, the economic landscape in the 90s, I mean, so that we can remain in business going forward. Right. Now, at this point in my career, I was a medical delegate, I mean, a medical rep, you know, for the infant nutrition business. Remember I said, you know, my background is nutrition and dietetics. So I yeah. came into the organization as a medical delegate. Well, this was not core, a core marketing function. Uh, the role of a medical delegate was to help detail uh, and promote baby foods to doctors and nurses in hospitals, uh, because at this point it was a regulated business. Mm. Now, but I was fortunate, you know, uh, to sit regularly at some of the business meetings which the core brand team had at the time. Mm. Of course, I participated actively, um, you know, contributing ideas and making necessary suggestions. Uh, you know, as this was, you know, the, I mean, and that was where I started taking an interest in marketing. Hmm. Now, the WHO code of marketing of breast milk substitute was in full effect at this time. So there was really no aggressive marketing in the infant nutrition business, no advertising, no sampling to mothers and so on. So it was a struggle convincing the medical contacts to recommend our products to mothers simply based on, um, uh, scientific detailing. Of course, you know, I knew I was not going to last on this job, you know, uh, because for me, I'm free-spirited. I like a job that allows me some flexibility to express my creative side. Right. So the, re the restriction on the baby food business was not going to make this happen. And, you know, I, I made up my mind that I needed an escape out of this business. You know, like we say in Nigeria, you know, at some point you tell yourself, I cannot come and kill myself. So back back mm. to the marketing suggestion with the marketing uh, manager had requested or the CMO had requested. Mm. Just like every other member of the, the team, I sent in my thoughts and proposed direction we should adopt for each business category. 
And by March 1990, I was thrown into the deepest part of the marketing swimming pool. <laughs> you know, I was handed a seasoning product to manage mm. with little or no marketing experience and a product that was already in an intensive care in code. My journey in marketing, the marketing world started. And that's how I got into marketing. Wow. It's 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 like a, it's like a sink or swim. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, wow. I mean, I remember that that reminds me of something. You know, when I came to Canada and uh, one of the jobs I've never worked in retail before, and mm -hmm. one of the the jobs I got was in retail. I remember then the the manager told me I, I was like, and it was fast paced, right? It was everybody was just trying to get things. The, the product was coming in from the from the warehouse and all of that. I was like, what is going? I'm used to the office, right? I'm like, what's happening here? <laughs> And when they said, "Hey, Emeka, you either sink or swim, man," just and That's I felt that, that was that was kind of I, at that point it was like that was harsh, but I, it looking back, it actually made me, you know, um, develop that resilience. And, and so there, there were th there were a few things that came out from your when when you were introducing how you got into marketing, and one was yes. um, being able to you talked about generating demands for your um, I, I just write you know rephrase it to generating demands mm -hmm. for your ideas. Right. Mm -hmm. You said you talked about a, a product was not generating demand. So I, I mm -hmm. like to narrow every conversation around business to see how we can apply that to a, a personal life, you know, a personal career and stuff. So how, how then do you now in the product sense, you generate a demand for that product you took over. But if you're looking mm -hmm. at it as, as, as a, a professional, how do you generate demand um, for your skills, for your talents? right now in the workplace what would be your advice okay um remember that i said i was participating hmm. in the marketing meetings i was not a core brand person but you know because like i said a bit of frustration where i was at that time and i had started seeing marketing yes i guess it was the advertising that attracted me in the first place mm. but i was making meaningful contributions in that meeting it wasn't a business i was handling but i made meaningful contributions mm. now when i talked about writing a proposal to the uh, uh, cmo at that time you know because i still have that document i had sent to the, i had sent to the cmo in 1990 Right. When I looked at that document 10 years after I was in marketing, I mean, I had to ask myself, girl, you were already in marketing before you got into marketing. Market. Hmm. Because first, my proposals had words, marketing words. I spoke the language. I hmm. was keen on understanding marketing. So guess what? I practically was devouring every document, reading up, upskilling myself. And so even before I got into marketing, I was actually speaking the language of marketing. Mm. Mm. So, you know, it, it's um, more or less I was I was able to sell myself before I actually got into marketing. Mm. And therefore, out of all the medical delegates, I then had positioned myself or should I say rebranded myself preparatory to when the opportunity came to transit into marketing proper. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. So, so th that means that, you know, if I hear a lot of people saying, Hey, I, I want to, I want to, you know, go pivot to another career. I want to do something else. And oftentimes they wait till the opportunity comes up before they begin to 
prepare, right? But now you're saying that it's 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 actually the the best approach to to go about, you know, you know, pivoting to a different career is to you know begin to become curious about what you're getting into, begin to do your research, begin to understand the terminologies that applies to that area that you want to go into. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't they say that preparation meets with um, opportunity, and that is success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Success yeah. is preparation meeting with opportunity. So already, I mean, I couldn't have waited until I got into marketing before I prepared myself for marketing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. What would you say were your, you know, the challenges? And uh, definitely there will be challenges you faced when you moved into marketing. Uh, what were the challenges you faced and how? How were you able to address those challenges such that they don't um, throw you under the bus, if you will? Like they don't, uh, you know, so people are afraid. One thing I hear a lot of times is um, the, the fear of failure, the fact that, oh, I haven't done this before. What if I go in and I, I mess things up, right? So how did you, How what, what were the challenges you faced, number one, and how were you able to um, address or overcome those challenges? Um, I, I, first of all, I think it's a mindset thing. I mean, I set out to understand that I have to succeed. And therefore, there'll be, I also expect that there'll be hurdles to cross. You know, so I'm not going in there thinking it's going to be smooth sailing. Now, let me talk about the business I took over. Um, like I said, I was thrown into this uh, deep side of the pool. This was a seasoning product I was given to manage, you know, that the idea was that of a factory manager it was not based on any consumer insight um mm-hmm. apparently there was a spare production capacity in the factory and he felt he could produce something which the market and sales team can magically sell <laughs> mm-hmm. this was a product that was not based on any consumer insight mm-hmm. there was no clear proposition as to why the consumer should buy awareness was low marketing budget was low and the sales team were reluctant to convince their customers to stock. You know, so it's a no-brainer that after 18 months of struggling with this product and um, the business was going nowhere and the product was delisted. Mm. Now, the introduction of this product failed woefully. This was my first learning experience of how not to market a product, mm. which is that you don't just sit and dream and fill a production capacity and therefore rush to the market. Hmm. Of course, I took this learning and um, I must say that, you know, in a, in a couple of years, I helped, you know, to turn the business around um, to the point that, um, you know, the, the, the company now built a second factory, you know, so, a few things that I learned along the line through the world of marketing, um, which of course took me a couple of years to learn, was that when I looked at Nigeria, I understood that there were regional peculiarities and there mm. was a need to adapt my marketing strategy to keep up these differences. I mean, for me, it was like context is king. So, mm. you know, I learned unlock and leverage the potential of a business, I had to walk in the consumer shoes. 
Right. And therefore, I had to travel all over Nigeria. I mean, practically everywhere, because I needed to understand the consumer to be able to respond appropriately to their needs. Hmm. I therefore hmm. also realized that I could not afford to depend solely on research findings brought to me in the office by the my research agency. Uh, something right. else I learned was that just because I didn't like it, didn't mean that the consumer did not should not like it too. And right. I also learned that that you know, I'm only a brand custodian. I'm not the consumer. And so for me, I made sure that you know everybody in my team understood this, the importance of the consumer in all that we did. And so, like um, a DJ on his turntable, I, I practically mastered the art of pulling and adjusting the levers of um, you know the four P's product price place and promotion to enable me exchange product for what the consumers what, for what was in the consumer's wallet so mm. th this 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 kind of summarizes this but it was it was a process of learning you know that that brought me to the point of success uh, to the point that um the business then decided to build a second factory you know for that uh, business for that business yeah, that th that is that is very key because what you're saying now, you know, uh, speaks to you know creative people. For example, um, you know, there's this thing about you know having ideas and having these you know oh this concept is going to you know fly and all of that, but you're not paying attention to the market. You're not paying attention to what your audience is saying and do what Absolutely. they want, right? It's because it, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not just about you. It's not about what you want, what solution you want to provide. It's the solution mm -hmm. you want to provide actually needed, right? So relevant, relevant, right? So mm -hmm. actually going in, going out there, putting yourself out there to begin to, they call it, someone call it the um, building in the public where mm -hmm. people, you're, mm -hmm. you can be getting you know, real-time feedback from your audience if they actually need that thing. For example, you want to publish a book. I mean, you've, mm -hmm. you, we're going to talk about your book in, 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 our, in our conversation today, but I yeah. definitely know that you, out of your experience working with the public and um, doing your content and all of that, you are getting feedback that actually enhance the, the book that you want to publish, right? I believe mm -hmm. that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I wanted to talk also again about, uh, you know, developing authority in your field. I mean, you were there for 34 years means that yes. you have built that reputation where, I mean, um, you became an executive director, for example, what would you say, you know, to someone who is in their career now, either starting or in the mid level that want to develop uh, an authority in a particular space? Because right now you're an authority in marketing. And I mean, your name, if once your name is mentioned, what, what comes to mind is marketing. How can, mm -hmm. you know, you know, professionals, you know, entrepreneurs position themselves as uh, as an authority in their field? Um, Emeka, authority comes with understanding the, the space you're in, the subject matter. It comes with a lot of understanding. Of course, remember, I, you know, I didn't read marketing in school. Mm. But I had to regularly upskill myself. You, you can't sit there and hope that um, I will naturally know it. And I have found out that, I mean, marketing is a subject, is, 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 is an area that, my goodness, on a daily basis is evolving. Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about a consumer that is not static, a consumer that is, you know, changing, you know, evolving as well. And so what's worked 
two years ago might not work today. I mean, let, let's let's take for instance the way we communicated with a consumer five, ten years ago is not the same way. Hmm. The consumer is not sitting to watch a television in a box. Everybody's on the mobile. No mobile. So yeah. if, if I, as a marketing specialist, is not evolving with my consumer, of course, you know, it stands to reason that I will not be able to meet the consumer's needs. Because like we say in marketing, it all starts and ends with the consumer. So upskilling is number one. But I also tell people, enjoy the journey. Right. Mm. And enjoy the journey for me means every day I wake up, I'm asking myself, what can I do better for my consumer such that the consumer reaches into their wallet and exchanges what is in their wallet for my product or my service? So upskilling, you can't, you can't run away from that. Enjoy the journey and then also understand trends. Hmm. with your consumers speaking of trends what are the trends now that people should look out for um not just in marketing in 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 career development and to be able to um position yourself as as a um a subject matter expert you know and you know i get a lot of times people ask me that gone are the days i tell people the days where you do traditional marketing where uh, I'm going to someone now who's a career professional trying to look for a job, for example, and they wait until the, the, the employer posts the jobs, right? But there are ways you can go about positioning yourself such that even the recruiters begin to look for you. So what would you say are the trends now to look out for um, to, 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 to take advantage of to position yourself in the marketplace? Look, Emeka, you're, you're a great example. <laughs> <laughs> you're a great example. If somebody, if, if somebody goes to your LinkedIn profile, they're seen beyond your nine to five. Mm. So at least can we just start from our LinkedIn pro profile? I mm. mean, what are you beyond that nine to five? Um, when people recruit today, it is beyond your, your technical competence. What are the other soft skills? You know, are you a speaker? Are you somebody that is um, concerned about um, the environment? Are you somebody that is concerned about climate change? Mm. Do you, are you somebody that is concerned about social issues? What impact, what impact are you bringing to humanity? Mm. Those are some of the things that tell me about your values. So it's beyond, today's beyond technical competence. Hmm. Um, beyond that, you know, I guess in my time, career was, um, career progression was vertical. Today, <laughs> I would advise any young person, get as much experience as possible into your kitty. I mean, if, if, if you come in as a marketing person into an organization, what, how about asking to go work in sales for some time? Right. How about asking to go work in supply chain for for example i mean if you're in in a, in a manufacturing setup how about asking to even you know pivot into hr what does mm. that do for you what that does for you is that you then find out that getting into general management if that is your career goal becomes very easy mm. because then you have understood every aspect of the business mm. and so you can then step into general management and understand what goes on there Mm. You know, so those are the kind of considerations 
I would, uh, you know, I would talk about, of course, you know, a lot of networking, uh, put that into that whole basket. And, um, but social media makes it so easy to sell ourselves today. But the point is, you have to be very strategic about what you're selling on social media. How, mm. how do you want yourself to be perceived, whether it's on Facebook or TikTok, wherever you are or on LinkedIn, um, you want to ask yourself, because that's what happens if somebody, if I'm shortlisted by a potential employer, trust me, you are already checked out on your social media before you get to sit for an interview. That's right. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, I, I was, when you're talking about getting experience under your belt and you know, I was still talking to a friend recently, I said, as, as early, you know, when you're early in your career, I mean, even if you, it doesn't have to be that you're early in your career, getting, mm-hmm. because I, I, I am of the opinion that your career is not just one job. Like it's not just a job, like you, your career is your life and there's so much Absolutely. about you that you should be able to explore. Right. Yeah. So when I see that people, you know, and it's, I mean, gone are the days where people can stay for in a place for 10 years, you know, 20 years in a particular <laughs> position. Right. Um, but it's not that, you know, we're saying that people should job hop and just jump around, but it will be a clear vision. And if that vision Absolutely. requires that you do, pockets of different things uh-huh. go do it i mean I, I i have a background in i studied agriculture i have a background in hr but i've jumped uh-huh. i mean i recently left the policy role <laughs> i got uh-huh. a policy uh-huh. policy and you know and i haven't done policy before in fact you know when i got that role people are like how did you even get that role like it's it's people <laughs> who people who studied public policy that get that kind of role and it's a senior role I'm like, I was able to understand how to transfer my skills from one Mm -hmm. area to the other. So let's talk about transferring skills because you've now pivoted in a way, you know, after leaving Nestle, you're now in the food space, even though it's still the same um, area, but you were Mm -hmm. more of the marketing side, but now you're not even going into the content side and even teaching people how to appreciate uh, uh, Nigerian food and all of that. So talk about how can... Or when you talk about transferring skills, what 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 should be what should be uh what should we pay attention to? Is this is this something that is important um to a career professional to begin to take stock of what what strength they have? Okay. I don't think that that makes sense. I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to put the question where you know because a lot of times you see that people don't know what they have, right? Like. People are not mm-hmm. self-aware to know that they have these skills. So when they see a job, for example, they see an opportunity, they don't even know they can do that opportunity. They can take that opportunity because they feel that they don't have what it takes. But if they begin to do some self-awareness, they can begin to. Add. So talk about transferring skills and self-awareness, if you will. Yes, um, I, I think quite regularly we all need to do a bit of SWOT analysis of ourselves, mm. our strengths, our weaknesses. And in that, you know, and of course, opportunities and and all of that. And sometimes it just takes, either we do it ourselves or we we would have done something and we can share with friends that can give feedback Mm. or colleagues that can point us to something that possibly we never knew we, we, we could. And, you know, people then tell us or, you know, agree with us that, yes, indeed, you have leadership capability or you have this creative capacity, it comes naturally to you. you you're a great speaker. It comes naturally to you. There, there are a lot of you know, things that, like you rightly said, that are embedded there. And we never know, you know, that some 
for some people it's quite easy to identify, for some others, uh, pretty difficult. Now, for me, you know, when I spoke about how I transited from, you know, transited from nutrition and dietetics to marketing, like I said, I didn't know marketing, but I knew that I, I, was, I was passionate about being, uh, creativity. And therefore, for me, anywhere I could express creativity then became appealing to me. Mm. Now, living a nine to five and doing all marketing all of my life, I have transited onto a space that um, I think is the forty of young people, which is um, <laughs> digital. But guess what? Even even before I left Nestle, I had already started getting into the digital space. Mm. My own decision to get in there. Why? Because I had made up my mind. I was going. To, I had actually started food blogging before I, you know, I, I, I retired. But I needed also to understand the digital space. And mm. so for me, it, I, I, didn't, I didn't need to go far. I learned a lot from my children. I then networked with a lot of young people to understand that space. I attended courses on you know, uh, digital training, many things. And of course, as always, YouTube is your friend. Mm -hmm. I went in there to upskill myself knowing that I was get this is where I was getting into this space of social media and digital media. So a lot of upskilling, but it is about being deliberate. Like you said, first understand what do I have? What can I push out there? Now I sharpen my skill in that particular area. Because I could say, yes, I'm creative um, or I have the 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 ability to speak. I'm a, a natural speaker but there's 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 a way you speak to a certain audience and all of these things we can we can then you know sharpen our skills in those areas where we have identified our strengths awesome awesome what would you say is your memorable accomplishment um while working as a um in the marketing space what would you say is a memorable accomplishment um i think there were many <laughs> quite quite a lot <laughs> along that journey because like i like i said i i tried as possible uh, as much as possible to enjoy the journey now but i think for me what's what clearly stood out and which i had mentioned earlier was when I took the business, of course, not myself alone. I had, I was working in a team, but I was leading the team where the factory had reached its full capacity, the first factory. And that factory was not the smallest factory in Nigeria. Hmm. And then the, the, the organization then built another factory because the business had outgrown that current factory I started with. For me, that was my most memorable accomplishment that i took the business from where it was not you know i mean the, the business had slowed down completely to the point where we had an acceleration um, acceleration and then finally building a second factory for me that was that was um, quite memorable i want to bring this home uh, is there any product we can identify with now in the market or before maybe five years ago that you you worked on is that something you can mention here because <laughs> I, um, I i mean i see a lot yeah, of product that yeah. nasty, nasty produces so i want to know which yes. one were you would you say that I was, was your it, it, 
you know, because because I don't want to use this platform to advertise, but I can say the seasoning, uh, the products in the seasoning brand. The seasoning brand. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> All right. So um, let's go to you as a leader. Um, what, what what would you say are your major strengths? Um, I know you've mentioned creativity, uh, but developing yourself to become that leader in in the marketing space what were you what would you say were the strengths you had to um develop that helped you not just being in the creative side but to be able to lead to, to lead a team what would you say are the, are the major strengths and what should we uh, you know um young people today begin to develop to to take on those leadership responsibilities um i i think for me it was first i I'm very passionate about making people succeed. Mm. Um, so for me, it was never about me, you know, in, in the team. For me, it was so long as my team members were shining, then I know I have succeeded as a leader. So long as my team members were succeeding, I, I was quite satisfied. I was leading well. And so for me, when I saw a lot of, you know, my team members who I had groomed being moved out of Nigeria to go and lead businesses outside of Nigeria. For me, that was success. Mm. That was success. And in there, of course, it was about identifying people's strengths and, you know, amplifying that strength and helping them to close the gaps in areas that they were less strong, because I don't, I, I don't like to use the word weakness, but mm. in those areas that they were less strong, yes, I pointed out to them and helped them to close those gaps. For me, yes, was it possible to close all the gaps? Of course, maybe not, but it was a deliberate thing for me to ensure that the, 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 the strengths of my team members or followers or whatever you want to call them was amplified and their you know, not so strong areas were then built up so that they can perform um, optimally. Okay. You mentioned something that I think is very key, being able to identify their strength. Because I think, uh-huh. you know, you find a lot of young people today in the workplace who say things like, um, well, I bring a lot to the table. Um, I, I do my best. I I bring so many ideas to the team and all of that. But I'm not recognized. I I don't you know give I don't get growth opportunities and stuff like that. Uh, let's speak to the the leader now, who maybe a manager or so. How can they develop that skill to identify potential or identify talent? Um, you know, you know, sometimes it's um subjective. <laughs> this this right. is subjective. Yes, it's subjective. But again, it's about you see the 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 subordinate who's who says, oh, my boss is not recognizing me. I've worked so hard. The point also sometimes is, are you indicating potential? Um, There could be opportunity. You're doing quite well where you are. But have you gone a little bit beyond Mm. your scope today? I remember uh, one of my bosses then told me, why, for instance, I was invited onto the board. When I sit at meetings, yes, I was in marketing, all right. But where there were gaps in supply chain or sales or or even production that I identified 
I offered suggestions. So you start to see me as somebody that can take on more. But if all I do is do what I've been asked to do, showing that I have capabilities to step on to the next level. Mm. So you're doing well, fine. But at that, the boss is likely to identify this person that looks like he has potential to do more, not potential to do just what he's been given to do. That's right. That's right. Huh. Goes to say that there's a price to pay for the next level. So if you Absolutely. want the next level, you you have to do you have to do more and go beyond. I remember yes. one yes. back, you know, um, one of the one of the directors in where I was working, you know, told me said, "Hey, um, I understand that you want you know you want to grow and all of that, but if no one knows that you're doing a good work, you know, if you don't, he's he shared this pie principle where you know mm-hmm. performance." Um, I think the I is image and exposure. I said mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that performance is good. That's like twenty percent. But if mm-hmm. you don't um, have that image that shows that, and this might be going away from your point of going extra. But let's talk about image and exposure yeah. now. Yeah. Um, if you don't, if if the, if no one sees that you're doing mm-hmm. that good work, it might go unrecognized. So speak to us about image and how to be able to create that perception that you know you're right for for that uh, um, next level I, th- I think I'll be very practical here and mm. it's is each of us should see ourselves as a brand and therefore mm. within an organization how are you marketing yourself mm. I have I you know I report to uh, I'm a brand manager I report to the marketing manager or the marketing director. The point is, does the sales director know me well? Does the finance director know me well? How do they perceive me? Because nothing in the organization stops me from um, during lunch, as you mean, we have, you know, a cafeteria sitting on the same table as a finance director. Nothing stops me from sitting at the same table as a production manager who are most likely my boss's contemporaries. Because guess what? When the issue of um, promotion comes up, those are the guys that will talk about the, put the, the resources that they have in the organization. And so does the finance director know you? Does the sales director know you besides your marketing director? So mm-hmm. how are you marketing yourself within the organization? organization how are you marketing yourself amongst your colleagues you know because you you have to stand out with your peers i mean your peers should be able to say yes absolutely emeka is yes he's an authority here when the finance guy is talking oh yes emeka we know him he's an authority here so brand and market yourself within that space and it Mm. has to be deliberate yeah deliberate okay let's go to food you have a passion for food. I mean, I, I looked at your Instagram. But by the way, who manages your Instagram page? The the one Q food platter. I do. I manage. Whoa. I manage the page myself. <laughs> whoa, whoa! Because I, I, I was. I think the last time I checked, you're over hundred thousand. Yeah, hundred thousand followers. Well, yes. Yeah. And I know it takes a lot of work. What? Yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing. How how have you been able to pull that off? Let's talk about your Instagram page, for example. <laughs> um, you, you know, 
because come, come to think of it, this is all about marketing. You know, I came into that space, like I said, in retirement, more or less, mm. a space dominated by young people or younger people than myself. But what I what I brought onto that table was my marketing experience. Okay. And so as I got in there, it was understand the consumer. What does the consumer want? That's number one. Secondly, I asked myself, how can I differentiate myself? I mean, there are many food bloggers. Mm -hmm. Why should they come to my page? And so I differentiated myself with the type of posts I had there. I differentiated myself with the quality. You know, it's, it's just like a product as well. If you mm -hmm. sell crap, or you know, or you wrap a crappy product in nice packaging, soon enough, the consumer tastes the product and knows that there's nothing here and they will not buy again. Mm. So it was differentiate with good quality content, differentiate with good quality videos, quality photography. Um, and I then owned a specific space where for me it was about nostalgia memories foods that the the mm. average nigerian might not be thinking about anymore but always with health on my mind mm. so that differentiation helped you know to to build those numbers that you see uh besides the fact that it, it's not a trashy page I, I don't just take pictures and slap them on it's mm. planned you know the mm. posts are planned and all of that yeah so that's how we got to where we are. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one thing that struck out for me, and you also mentioned it now, was the differentiation piece and yes. playing with the you know the memories because yes. it's not just cooking you know everyday food, but you you have right. that you've carved out that niche for yourself to go back memory lane and bring people and and it's a it's a good feeling when people can you know reflect on you know, um, the food they have eaten before and they're, you know, bringing it back. So I think that you've really carved the niche for yourself in that space. But how do you then come up with your content ideas? Um, I'm not, this is my, I, I know you can do a masterclass on this, but how do you, <laughs> how do you come up with content ideas? Because I see sometimes you, you know, it looks like you have a farm, like, you know, you have a, like a garden and you plant mm -hmm. and then you bring all of that into um, the kitchen and all. So how, to walk us through your process of creating your, your content, if you will. <laughs> well, um, I create content for me, but um, look, it's difficult to completely ignore the consumer, the audience, when you're creating, you know, content and you're sharing on social media. You know, whilst um, a lot of recipe ideas and how I present them are things I like, sometimes I have to go with the flow of what the consumer wants to consume. You know, so I'm sometimes constantly struggling with my marketing background, which puts the consumer as a king or my followers as a king and my appetite to simply create for the love of playing with food. Hmm. So, well, I keep up, you know, I keep on putting on and off my marketing and creative cap. Uh, yes, because at the end of the day, let's face it, what I have to create has to be beneficial to somebody. So mm. uh, I have to put that somebody who is my follower uh, in view. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, also something else, you know, for me in creating is that I remind myself each time that, you know, if I cannot have, if, if I cannot offer 
that creative piece. That thing I have created, whether it's a picture or a video, if I if I cannot offer it to God, the creator, hmm. then it's not worth me posting it on that platform. Hmm. So I, wow. you know, I so I put my heart, soul, and mind when I'm creating. And so today, when Instagram is saying, um, you know, the algorithm does not show pictures much and all of that, I have de-emphasized, you know, taking pictures because it takes a lot of my time, and I put my everything to, you know, creating pictures. But I mean, really, what's the point in creating when nobody will see it? So. Yeah, those are some of the things, you know, that, um, you know, inform what I do. Now, the, the other leg of it is that um, it's, it's about Nigerian food and what I want the world to perceive mm. of Nigerian food. You know, I, I want others to see Nigeria with the eye of excellence, vibrancy and goodness. So whatever is on that page, for me, is beyond me, is beyond Iko Uko, is about also projecting Nigeria. When we talk about telling our story, this is my simple way of telling the Nigerian story, which is hmm. we have foods. And um, yes, I respect cuisine from different parts of the world, but the point is that I also would want to work into a nice restaurant in Toronto and find Nigerian food well presented. And I, I want somebody, you know, a Canadian to say, oh my goodness, I really want to try that food. But of course, if I don't show them and if I don't present this food in a way that is attractive, then I'm not encouraging that. So it's mm. th there's so many things playing up. I'm playing up my creativity. I'm trying to please my follower. I'm also <laughs> trying to project, you know, a Nigerian food to the world. And of course, like I said, above all, I'm also trying to please my creator. That's that's it. That's it. Huh. I mean, I there's so many things to unpack in that what you just, you know, <laughs> what you just shared. Um, the need for quality when we're uh -huh. doing what we're doing, the need to pay attention to um, our customers, our clients, or employers, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. and what they need, uh, because it's not just about what you want to produce, it's also what they need. And also um, understanding that there's a higher purpose to that. Like yeah. you, you mentioned the God factor um, actually, you know, keeps you on, on, yeah, keeps you in check to ensure that if mm -hmm. there's something you can, you can present to God, you can present to others. Awesome. That's a that's a very powerful way to look at it. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about, I don't know if, um, I want to talk about profiting. Um, uh, because I think it's also very key when we look at um, the gifts and the talents that we have. Um, as much as possible, there's no point having, I mean, what's the point having a gift if it cannot bring you before great men, if it cannot bring you some form of reward? So mm -hmm. talk to us about how you've been able to turn your gift, your passion into something that is profitable, that is taking you places. How, how did you, how do you do that? I think, look, like I said, first it starts with what, what am I selling? Um, and I'm selling quality. Today, 
yes, I mean, it's not that I actually need to profit much on what I'm doing. Thank God for pension. My pension is coming in regularly. Um, however, for me, you know, I mean, with a business mindset, I want the outcome of my creativity to form that aspect of my endeavor. So I'm not going to now take money from my pension to manage my um, one key food platter business. Mm. And therefore, I have been fortunate to have brands come on board, brands have advertised, brands have gotten me to you know, do things for them. And that is what is funding that bit of my, I will put in quotes, my passion for food. But so I'm, I'm, I'm ensuring that I can create brands will come on board on my page, or there are quite a lot of things happening outside of my page where I'm working with brands uh, to sell pictures, to sell recipes to them, um, to even take on projects in terms of brand strategies and all of that. Um, so there, there are quite a few things happening, of course, that you would not find on my page. My page. But hmm. those are the things that are funding the page. Um, I'm on YouTube as well. Of course, you know, YouTube would pay, you, you know, you quarterly as they do with AdSense and AdSense. all of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So those, those are the things that I'm applying back into buying ingredients, buying a new camera, you know, to hmm. shoot uh, some of the things I do and also pay some of my production uh, people, particularly on the video side, because a lot of the pictures I take myself is actually the video that um, I get uh, one or two people to assist in that area. So, yeah, mm. you know, mm. you you put out a, a, a good enough product such that, you know, people can buy and you charge your value for it and that's it. Hmm. When you were talking, uh, something came to mind around, you know, um, I, I like to always bring it back to, you know, those who are probably starting, you know, they have the creativity, they have the ideas um, and they're probably struggling to, you know, get it afloat. Maybe they're saying they have this, they need these particular resources. They need a camera. They need all of this. Talk to us about starting small. How have you been? I know you never. You, when you started, you probably didn't have all the answers. You probably didn't have all the equipment. But you, you started. Talk to us about you know starting small, and importance to like you you mentioned enjoying the journey. What were the things yeah. that you you had to consider? Um, you know when you when you started. Okay, um, I think my first camera, I still remember, is um, it was given to me by my boss then in the office. Mm. You know, when I wanted to start, you know, my food blog, I went to him because he's, he's, he's passionate about photography. And I knew he had a lot of cameras that he was not using. And so I, I went, walked over to him and said, Martin, you know, I'm going to start this because, of course, in starting a blog like that, you needed to get permission from the organization at, at that time. Yeah. So I then said, I said, look, Martin, I need a camera. And he gave me a Leica camera. I still I still have that camera. That's how I started. You know, sometimes when I look at the pictures I took then, I said, oh, my goodness, whoever <laughs> liked this picture? But many people <laughs> liked the picture then. Right. So hmm. I progressed from there to the point where my son, he's a passionate, he's, he's a professional photographer there in Canada, hmm. where you are. Right. And he wanted to sell off one of his cameras. I bought a camera from my son. I mean, of course, remember that um, 
part of that money he made, I must have contributed to it, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> when he wanted to sell sell his camera, he said he needed to sell it. Sell it. So I bought from him a mm. second-hand camera mm. because I didn't need a brand new... In any case, that camera I got from him was working perfectly as far as I was concerned. Right. So it was after that, I then, of course, had made some money on the business. I then could afford a brand new camera. And that was how I progressed. So mm. I didn't start out with, you know, a brand new camera. I No, I didn't. And then, of course, many other things, props I needed, I got from friends. I didn't need to buy, I didn't buy new props, plates and stuff. Some I rented because there was no point really accumulating those things. So things like that, there was this consideration of starting small, but building and building consistently. I didn't get up to 116,000 followers on Instagram overnight. That's right. And by the way, it is organic growth. I never bought those. You know, mm. this, the 116 is organic, but it, it, it was about consistency, That's persistence, right. putting the, your best foot forward out there. Of course, I understand that today, if you're starting out today on social media, it's difficult, you know, because of the, all the algorithm, you're putting out good work. It might not, you know, come like that. But I think also people should be less um, concerned about numbers. Numbers, yes. Continue, continue to put out the work, good quality work. And yeah, trust that the right eyes would see <laughs> because I've, I've, seen, I've seen people with just 2,000 followers and my goodness, they're doing amazing things, even with mm. the 2,000 followers. Yeah. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Let's talk about your book. Uh, you have a new book coming out. Is it out already or it's coming out soon? It's it's out. I mean, out in certain bookstores, but it's out. Okay. Yes. So can we talk about it? Uh, can we? Can oh, we... yes. Absolutely. Okay, we so you have, you have a book coming out, uh, Memories on a Platter. Uh, your yes. journey or my journey with Nigerian food. Talk yes. to us about the idea behind the book. And um, yeah, what's the idea behind that book? And what should we be expecting to see in that book? Um, I, I think I can summarize this book as um, one where it was my, it is my attempt to preserve the identity of the Nigerian through food. Because I see that we are losing it. Um, it's 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 more, should I say modern? Should I say, you know, we, we want to look as if we're Europeans. And therefore, at some point, we look, it's, you know, food is part of anybody's, any human's identity. Right. And so for me, I, I believe that um, documenting our foods and I'm talking about all over Nigeria, in one place, is one way of preserving that identity. Of course, we evolve, food evolves. Uh, the way my mother cooked is not the same way I'm cooking, but we're talking about the same basic ingredients. And so these ingredients, which increasingly I am seeing is becoming available in most parts of the world, yeah. certainly when you go to African store, you'll find those ingredients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying that a Canadian can pick up my book and go to an African store 
pick up some ingredients and cook some things from Nigeria. I mean, how about we start talking about Nigerian food, the way we talk about French food, the way we talk about Italian food, the way we talk about Japanese and Chinese food and Indian food. Mm. It is about time we talk about Nigerian food. So um, Memories on a Platter is a Nigerian food book. <laughs> That's the way I want to, 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 to look at it because it's food and culture. You know, it's laced with memories, you know, from my childhood and other hilarious stories that capture mm. the essence, ingredients, and dishes that make up Nigerian culinary diversity. Um, I have over 130 authentic Nigerian recipes in this book. Wow. Um, you will find traditional and modern recipes, you know, from mm. the coastal regions where we have lots of uh, seafood and tubers and fresh green vegetables uh, to the more arid north, you know, where we have cereal grains, meats and um, other such uh, dishes. So um, this is a book, you know, that, I mean, you've, you'll be transported to a happy place. You I can't. Nostalgia and I'm already trans <laughs> been transported already. <laughs> you know, as, as you're talking, I'm just picturing the food, you know, because here, I mean, we have the African store, but sometimes I really miss the Nigerian food, like Oha soup, you know, like all those yeah. delicacies that we have in mm -hmm. Nigeria. So mm -hmm. that it, mm -hmm. it would be good to have that captured in the book. Is it somewhere now? Like, is there a link now to order um, or is it is it still in the works? Is it is still in the works? Um, okay. It is actually in some stores, but it's still in the works. I mean, the formal uh, contractual agreements with those stores uh, just before I put out their links. But um, if anybody's following me on my social media page, Wonky Food Platter, I'll be carrying you along, you know, as we get to release the information. Information. Great, great. Definitely we'll have your um, your social media handles in the show notes um, for okay. those that uh, will listen. Okay. Uh, do, you still, do you still travel around, um, you know, Nigeria for f uh, just for food and capturing food ideas? Um, at the moment, no. And of course, the, the obvious reason being yeah, security. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's why. But uh, before now, Honestly, I did quite a lot of travel um, during whilst I was working. I, I'm not sure there's hardly any state capital I did not visit. Of course, you know, visit some villages as well, uh, because for me, understanding food I, is not a desktop research thing. You mm. have to go cool. into those into right. the homes. Mm -hmm. In the homes of the consumers or the of the women or the men, um, sit with them, talk with them, cook with them, uh, visit the markets with them. Uh, then you then understand how they cook. You understand how they eat. Uh, you you understand the ingredients and what is available in Nigeria. Um, honestly, the kind of things I've been able to unearth in different parts of Nigeria amazes even me uh, mm. in, in, this, in this food journey. And I must say that we are just scratching the surface, the surface. Mm. in terms of the variety that, mm. that um, is abundant in Nigeria. Um, a few things are not in place. I mean, the infrastructure, the, the logistics to move food from one part of the country to the other is still a problem. Um, Emeka, you'd be surprised at the abundance of strawberry in Nigeria, which is wow. grown in the middle belt, you know, area around Jos, 
so much is harvested, but a lot is uh, going to waste because that uh, cold chain is not there to transport, you know, from these places, yeah, to the city. Wow. So, um, as soon as the the environment is safer, I'll be on the road again. Uh, but um, yeah, it's 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 been an exciting journey with uh, Nigerian food, and I can't wait. I can't wait to go out onto the field again. Hmm. I mean, I see us bringing you again on the show to talk about food. I mean, this is we, we're doing more marketing, and you know, but there's a lot to unpack when it comes to market, uh, food, health, and you know, personal growth. So I think they they yes. all play play a key role, you know, in in um in our personal development as well. Uh, I want okay. you. This question came to mind. You know, when it comes to career development, um, what would you say? Um, what role do you think self self-marketing plays because a lot of times people are comfortable to sell themselves they say oh i, I mean i still had it recently oh um i don't want to put myself out there because it looks like i'm trying to just create an impression or just to make people feel like you know uh, there's there's this idea that you know self-marketing is is overrated it's it's too it's trying to show yourself and all but how talk to us about how is that important when it comes to your career development you know, Rebecca, I'll, I'll go back to the holy book, the Bible, mm. which which tells you that if I light a candle or a lamp and put it under mm. the bushel, <laughs> how will people see it? And it's the same, it's the same basic principles for um, even selling a product. You've manufactured mm. a product. You have nice packaging. And then you decide to go and keep the product in one little shop corner there. How, how are you going to sell? Hmm. That's why you produce and you make noise about the product, you market and all of that. And look, I, you know, I tell, I tell people when this kind of question is put to me, you know, I've always said, look, if um, marketing is not important, why are the big brands? that have been there some over a hundred years, they are still marketing. Mm. Because, you're, you know, we, 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 we are in a world where we have a deficit of, you know, attention. Attention. And mm. so if I'm not shouting, if I'm not talking, if I'm not on LinkedIn, you know, talking about what I did, I did this, I did that, I've been able to achieve this, I achieved that, I spoke here, I attended this conference, it's, it's, it's all about putting yourself out there. Remember, there's so many other people that have the competency that you have. That's right. But it is the one the HR person sees or the employer sees that, you know, they would put, they would reach out to. So I, I, I don't see that in today's world where, like I said, attention is a currency if I'm not shouting all the time, see me, nobody sees me because everybody is, is looking at so many things. Our attention is, you know, driven by so many things happening, you know, in, an, in, in, in our world. And so the person that decides I have this, you know, ability and or strength and competence in this area, and I'm not talking about it, who will? You have to shout about what you can do. And That's then right. we would come to you. I mean, no, no, nobody's going to do it for you. For even, you. even in the workplace, like I said, you still have to market yourself there. That's right. That's right. 
Okay, so um, we we ask our guests um, the final three questions. Um, we call it the final three on this podcast, and I'm going to ask you three questions. You can give me the answers in one word, or you can emphasize or appreciate um, that word. So the first question is, what is the thing that brings you? <laughs> what is the thing that brings you the most? What is the thing that brings you joy? What is the thing that you do that gives you joy? You know, I, I'll I'll go back to <laughs> I'll go back to God again. If what I'm doing pleases my Creator, I'm happy. But mm. also, if I come to the human side, am I able to put a smile on that person's face? Did I help in any way to make this person's life better? Mm. That's 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 what makes me happy. If I if I put up a content and somebody comes into my DM and tells me. Equal, thank you so much. That recipe you put out there, oh wow, I didn't know I could do it this way. That has helped me a lot. My job is done. Mm. And if, you know, when I was working as well, my boss tells me, Equal, what you did this month has helped our business. Thank you. Because I assisted my boss to succeed, that brings me joy. That's right. That's right. Okay. Second question. If you were to pass on an advice that you received, you know, um, in the course of your career that has helped you. So you received an advice, you know, in the course of your career that has helped you. And now is your turn to pass on that advice to someone. What would that advice be? <laughs> um, again, I wouldn't, I don't have one word. Like you had said, if I yeah. had a word, I had a sentence. And that that's about, um, and I'll, I'll be talking here about women, you know, mm. in, 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 in workplaces, um, the tendency. And it's, it's a natural thing where if you're working as a woman in a world of men, there's a natural tendency that you start acting like a man yourself. Mm. Um, I attended a course and I tell you within, it was London Business School, I remember, leadership course within a week of working with people from all over the world it was a team and I, it was describe your colleague in you know as an animal you know um, use an animal character to describe your colleague and some people said i was a lioness and of course that means that was how i was coming across i mean as soon as i got into the group i was taking over and all of that but mm. that was then you know, when I then had a one-on-one -on -one with um, the HR lady or the consultant that was in charge of the team, you know what she said? She said, it, my reaction was natural because I've been in a man's world and therefore I'm used to banging table and all of that. And she says, you know, you could still be assertive without banging table. And I tell women, I tell people generally, if you have a difficult boss, um, you have ideas. There's, there's a nice word that gets things through, which is, what do you think? You know, I, I've come up with the idea. I go to the boss and I want to sell my idea. I have sold it. It was my idea. But I need to end it with that sentence. What do you think? think hmm. Trust me, it has opened so many doors where my boss goes to a meeting and takes on this idea, sells it, and gives me credit just because I told him, what do you think? Powerful. So, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just bringing if, them. If you have a, if you have a difficult um, boss, 
that word and you have a great idea to sell, end it with what do you think? What do you think? He will take Which... ownership. <laughs> awesome, awesome. The third question is, what is your favorite book that you that you've read that has impacted your your career journey or your personal development? I think it was Blink. Mm. There's this book, Blink. I yeah. remember the author now. But I, you know, I read Blink earlier on. I did, I did it it was it was um it was something that just changed my trajectory in the way I thought and all of that. So Blink. 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 I yeah. think I've seen that book, but I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great. Wow. This has been this has been a great, a great conversation. Thank you so much, um, uh, Mrs. Uko. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation with you. I know this will not be the last time we're going to have you on the show. <laughs> yes. Thank you. It was such, it was my pleasure to be here. Yeah. And, uh, to meet uh, up again after so many years. Yes, it's 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 a pleasure. I'm so grateful for your time on the podcast today. And um, is there any final words you'd like to say to to our guest, um, to our participant or listeners, um, especially to the younger younger? Because I have, when I look at the demography of of the stats, I have uh, the the listeners are usually from the 24 to 34 kind of mm-hmm. range. So, what would be your advice to that that age group in their career journey now? Um, I, I think I think it's about being more strategic with um, your career journey. In my time, it was okay. Go into a place, work, expect to be promoted upward. Uh, it doesn't work like that anymore. Uh, so it's about identifying where you're going, but be very strategic about where you're going. Um, don't stay just on one course. You know, keep an open mind. Take on as much as you can when you're younger, uh, just such that you, in the older career years, you have more options. I mean, you know, if you take on uh, mastering speaking at this point, you never know. You become, mm. you know, a great speaker and you're sitting in your house and you're doing a lot of things which, um, you know, you wouldn't have dreamt of doing. Um, right. it, the other thing is to you know, use the time now to upskill yourself, you know, open up your mind. The world is changing so rapidly. And so you cannot be stuck where you are. And um, because trust me, in another five years, it would have it would have moved so fast. I mean, technology is absolutely, absolutely change, changing things very rapidly. And we have to move with that tide of technology or else we are going to be left behind. Awesome. That's a that's the last. I like the last one. If you're not, if you don't do something, if you don't pay attention to technology now, you're going to be left behind. Great, 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 great wrap up. <laughs> Especially with our, talk, our conversation around marketing. So thank you so much, yeah. um, Equal. Thank you. It was Michael. a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you love this episode, share with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. If you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our episode and give us a rating. This will help our podcast get more visibility to those who don't know about this podcast. Remember, your growth is personal. No one is responsible for your personal growth but you. Stay blessed.